Welcome to the Bethel World Outreach Church Podcast. It's our prayer that wherever you are in life, today's message will help you draw closer in your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. So good to see all of you. We thank God for you. Uh, This week, uh, well, last week, this is a new week, all over the world, or many places around the world, people are celebrating love. And someone said, oh, it's so commercialized. And I know, but I thank God for that one day, because some of you, that's the only time you show love to your spouse. Thank God that a day has been set aside and you remember, oh, I need to do the chocolate thing. I need to do the flower thing. If you are like me, if your wife is like me, I'm not a flower girl, I'm not a chocolate girl, I love the credit card. So I do credit cards and and gift cards and so I hope you did that for your your spouses. Someone sent me a little um, message and said, oh, Bishop is not here. I, I hope you, you treat her yourself. I said, oh, I didn't treat myself. I'm waiting on him. <laughs> Why should I be treating myself? Those days of treating myself, they're over. Yeah, so I'm waiting. I can't wait. And I told him to, I said, I can't wait. And I won't tell you what he said back. Okay, elevate your minds, y'all. I want to thank God for the choir. Uh, Amen, amen. Thank God. Uh, Last night, as part of my time of preparation, uh, I put on some music and just worshiping, and I went to this song, My Help Cometh from the Lord, just came out of my spirit. And I know the Brooklyn Tabernacle is the one that sings that song. So I went looking, Brooklyn Tabernacle, and I was ministered unto. My help cometh from the Lord. And I walked in here this morning, and I heard the choir singing. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I believe the Lord spoke to me because I needed to hear that my help cometh from the Lord. And somebody here this this afternoon needs to hear. And if you're live streaming, we welcome you. You need to hear your help cometh from the Lord. Thank God for the vessels he uses, but ultimately, God is our help. And I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I just want to say to you, he is your help. He's not just your helper, but he is your help. He is your help. Be encouraged. That situation will not last too long. You're coming out of it. Because he is your help. In the midst of it, lift up your head and declare the Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade. He is a shade upon my right hand. The sun shall not smite me by day, nor the moon by night. God is faithful, people. He is faithful. Bishop is not here, but anyway, Bishop is here because he's here in me. Uh, I'm the better side of Bishop. 
Anyway, let me stop meddling. <laughs> Father, we just want to thank you for your awesome love for us. Lord, even as we've, we've been celebrating Valentine's Day, Lord, we remember that you are our true love. And you demonstrated that love to us when you gave your son Jesus Christ. When we were without strength, we had nothing to offer. We were in the gutter of sin, the mire of sin. You reached down, Lord, and you lifted us up. Thank you for your awesome love. Thank you, Lord. It's because you love us, we can love others. Lord, we give you praise. We remember and we are grateful. We remember and we celebrate. Lord, I pray that you will anoint my voice this morning, this afternoon. Lord, that you will speak a word to your people. Lord, that your word will come forth in power. Your word will break strongholds. Your word will fix marriages, relationships that are fragmented, that are broken. Your word, oh God. Your word, oh God. Ah, oh, your word, oh God. Lord, anoint my voice. I yield myself to you. And we say thank you for what you are about to do in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, today we're going to be talking about love. And we're asking the question is it worth it? And I'm trusting that at the end of this, I would have answered that question is it worth it? And you will give the proper response, whether yes or not. Is it worth it? Uh, the story is told of a husband and wife who had a very contentious relationship. They were always fighting at each other's throats, arguing, no peace in the home. And one day this woman died. And she went to heaven. That's what the story said. She died. And when she got to the pearly gate, she saw St. Peter. I don't know why he is always at the gate, but St. Peter was at the gate. And St. Peter said, oh, I'm going to let you in, but you have to spell a word. And she said, what is that word? And St. Peter said, love. And she said, oh, piece of cake. L-O-V-E. He said, now you can enter. And she entered through the gate. And just as a, she was about to walk off, he said, ma'am, ma'am. And she turned around. And he said, ma'am, uh, I need to run an errand. Can you just stand right here at the gate? and make sure nobody enters without spelling this word. She said, yes, sir, I'll take the challenge. And she stood there. And then from a distance, she saw someone coming. And she looked and looked. And she, she recognized his gait. She recognized his swag. And as he was coming, she said, is that my husband? 
And as he came closer to where she was, and she said, what are you doing here? He said, well, I was involved in an accident, and now I find myself up here. She said, oh, okay. She said, but I cannot let you in until you spell a word. So he looked at her. He said, what is that word? She said, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> hey, that's the word, Czechoslovakia. Now, she was asked to spell love. But because of their relationship, I mean, I'm not, tell me, how many of you can spell that word? I had to look it up. Czechoslovakia. Now, some of you are laughing, but you got no clue. Somebody said, what is Czechoslovakia? Czechoslovakia used to be a country. It was one country, but in the early 90s, the peacefully separated into two countries. And so you have the Czech Republic, and you have Slov... Oh, you know what I mean. Slovakia. <laughs> Slovakia. Okay, so that's, that's the, 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 so the name of the country used to be Czechoslovakia. Now, in preparation for this sermon today, we're talking about love. Is it worth it? I, I did some research uh, looking for the definition of love. And as I looked through the dictionary, this is what I came, came up with. And all of them talked about feelings and emotions. But I took this one. It says, love is an intense feeling of deep affection toward another as arising from kingship or close friendship. Let me say that again. This is a dictionary's definition. An intense feeling of deep affection toward another as arising from kingship or close friendship. In other words, every definition I looked up in a dictionary talked about feelings and emotions. Here lies the problem. How many know that feelings are momentary? They come and go. Feelings don't last. Yet last night I wasn't feeling well. This morning I'm up and energetic. They go and come. So as believers, this cannot be our definition of love. We're not saying that when it comes to love, you don't experience feelings and all of that. But that is not the total, the absolute definition of love. No wonder we have the high rate of divorce in society and even in the church. Because husbands and wives supposedly love each other. And then something happens. And, oh, they don't love anymore. Uh, several years ago, uh, a husband met with me and Bishop. And um, he said to us, you know, I think my marriage is over. I mean, we're shocked. We had not heard this before. What happened? What's going on? He said, well, you know, the feeling I had, the way I used to feel, and, and all the feeling I don't have. And Bishop and I are looking at this grown man like this. The feeling. 
Because as believers, we too have embraced the, the dictionary definition of love. It's about emotions. It's about feelings. I've been there myself. My husband and I, my husband and I, <laughs> we have a unique story. This is not your story, it is my story, and I'm holding on to it. Um, I know when you're praying for a spouse, you pray, and then the Holy Spirit leads you, but you choose. But really, I was handpicked for this man, the Lord himself. I mean, what we, you know, I can't tell it all, I don't have the time. But I know some of you got inquiring minds, you want to know. So see me after the service, and I'll t if you got forever, I will tell you my story is so long. Anyway, so uh, Bishop and I got married in Oklahoma. We had a long-distance relationship for a while, and it was not the age of um, uh, emails, texts, WhatsApp. Uh-huh, WhatsApp. I was thinking about that word earlier. WhatsApp. We didn't have that, so we wrote letters. And we recorded on cassettes. Some of you got no clue what cassettes are. Cassettes. Man, and when I received those letters, I mean, I had the butterflies. I, I was in college then. I would go to my room. My roommate is not there. Hallelujah. And I would open that letter and read it and reread it and reread it and all the goosebumps. Man, I was on cloud nine. And then I came over. I came over, Oklahoma, and we're, we're getting married. Ah, this cute man. Ah. <laughs> I was in love. I had flown before with my family, but this was my, my first flight alone. So I traveled long distance to me. I mean, it's amazing what love will make you do. I left my daddy and my mommy in my country to come here and meet a guy to get, who love. So anyway, I was told when you get out, if you don't find anybody, just look for baggage claim. Look for the sign that says baggage claim. So I came out of the jetway and I turned left. I, I looked, I didn't see anybody. I didn't know anybody except this man. And that was the first time we met physically. I told you my story is unique, different, but the proof that God is in it, we've been married for 99 years. So, anyway, I came out of the jetway, and I, I mean, I was, you know, I had to act like I really knew what I was doing. So I looked for baggage claim, and I started walking, and then I just heard a familiar voice, because we'd be talking over the phone. Oh, I forgot, we had a phone conversations, and so I heard a familiar voice. Let me get my voice right. <laughs> Are you looking for somebody? And I turned around, he was there. No, I said, ah, in my heart, in my heart. I didn't say, ah, outwardly. And I mean, my knees just buckled. 
I mean, I was in the presence of this man. Oh my God, I was in love. And then he hugged me. Oh, oh my goodness. And then he held my hands. Oh my God. I had not lived with him. I didn't know all his idiosyncrasies. Bishop himself said, I'm just quoting, I'm echoing, re-echoing what Bishop said. When you are married, you see stuff and you hear stuff. Now you know after 99 years, all that butterfly and weak knees and sweaty palm, oh no, it's not there anymore. Well, no, let me be honest. Now and then, I feel it. But I'm not going to tell you when. So elevate your minds. Okay. <laughs> and, as, <laughs> and as I was studying, preparing for this, I found out that all the goosebumps and butterflies all of those things are a result of chemicals by God's design. Chemicals called uh, dopamine and oxytocin, endorphins, and those things released. They're in your brain, they're released. That's why you feel all that feeling. And that is not true love. Anyway, so all those, those feelings, and I learned that those feelings last a year and a half to five years, max. No wonder a lot of divorces take place in the fifth year or after the fifth year, because the wine ran out, no more wine. So all that feeling and stuff, gone. And this is where true love begins. I mean, I loved my husband then. The first time I met him, I was like, oh. But now, this love, now after 99 years, this love is stronger now. Because this love has been tested. This love has been stretched. This love had to forgive and keep smiling. This love put up with. And this is true love. When you love someone, when you truly love someone, after you've lived with them, experience all their flaws and shortcomings, and they experience yours, and you continue to love, that is true love indeed. Not that butterfly stuff. Thank God for the butterfly moments. They're good. They're, oh, they're good. <laughs> yeah, elevate your minds. Elevate your minds. As Christians, we cannot limit our definition of love to that of the world or to that of the uh, addiction. I almost say encyclopedia that I'm dating myself. We cannot limit our definition of love to the dictionary's definition of feelings and emotions. Love for us is much, much more. 
And so we go to God's word to be informed. What does it mean when we say love? And here is the definition I found in 1 John 4, 8. The word of God says, God is love. So love is not an idea. Uh, love is not, love is, love is God. God is love. God is not just love in that that's what he does. He loves us. He, he, he bestows love upon us. But that's who he is. That's, that is his very essence. If you were to cut God up into pieces, every piece would scream love, 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 because that's who he is. And everything God does flows, everything flows out of his love. That is his nature. That is who he is. And in 1 John 5, 1 to 2, it tells us that we are born of God. When you and I place faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become born again and we are born of God by the Spirit. God by his Spirit comes and he imparts his love to us, his nature, his character. He imparts to us. We have God's DNA. That's who we are. So if God is love, we are love. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And it's that vehicle, the vehicle of love that brought salvation to us. It is the vehicle of love that delivered us from sin. As we read in 1 John 4. In John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave. So if it is out of his love that he extended his hands to us, we who are separated from him. Love is a grace gift. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We could not qualify for it. He loves, he loved us, he loves us, he loved us while we were yet sinners. The scriptures tell us when we were with our strength, when we could not help ourselves, let alone help God, that's when he loved us and, and he demonstrated his love toward us when he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. He died for us. And love is a grace gift. Now that we know the biblical definition of love, love is God. He is God. Now let's examine the characteristics of love. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 7, it's right there. It says, love suffers long and is kind. It does not envy, does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Next verse. Does not behave rudely, rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked, provoked, thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, 
hopes all things, endures all things. Observe that there are several elements of love, even as we talk about love. So Paul fleshed out the word love. He wants us to understand, yes, God is love, but what does that mean? And so he takes the time to let us know what love is, the characteristics of love. And now, there's no way in this service, the time allotted, with the time allotted, that I can go through all of that. So I've selected two. Not because they're the most important, but that's what I wanted to deal with today. So we'll highlight those two verses. We'll talk about it. And I just want to say to you, church, if we will allow the Holy Spirit, the Word of God tells us it is He who is working in us both to will and to do. If we allow Him to perfect this gift of grace called love and all the characteristics of love listed, our relationships in terms of our marriages, our relationships in the church, the church community, our relationships at work, parent-child relationship, our relationships will be strong, our relationships will be healthy, and we will be a witness to a watching world. Love suffers long. What does it mean to suffer long? When I'm um, interacting with couples, getting them ready for a marriage, when I get to this, I say love is long suffering. Long suffering. Now that word comes from a Greek word, and this is the meaning long and tempered. Long tempered. And you know the opposite of long tempered is what? Short-tempered. And you know some people who are short-tempered. I mean, they fly off for everything. And maybe you yourself, so don't be looking around to see who is short-tempered. Perhaps you yourself. Nobody can talk to you. And, and what, 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 why are you saying that to me? And your husband better not say anything. Your wife better not say anything. And you come back, you retaliate, you fire it. You know, the, the reason why people do that, some people do that, is because they don't want to come across as being weak. And so if you give it to me, I'm going to give it to you twice. And we're not long-suffering, being tolerant, being patient, overlooking the flaws and faults of people. Oh no, if you come at me, I'm going to come at you twice. And that is not love. And so our relationships are falling apart because we are not exercising long-suffering. Another synonym of long-suffering is restraint. You cannot restrain yourself. You got to get involved. I have a friend who says, oh, I don't let anything pass me by. If anybody says anything to me, I'll take it up. And I'm looking at her. You must have some kind of energy because after a while, <laughs> after a while, is it worth it? I saw a scripture 
in Proverbs 25, 8, that says a man who lacks restraint is like a city with broken walls. Lately, we've been hearing you build the wall, build the wall, build the wall, fortify the wall. Okay, I'm not getting political here, okay? I'm making a point. What is the purpose of a wall? To keep the inhabitants safe and protected and to keep the enemy out. But if you, you are shot fused, nobody can say anything to you, you lack restraint. You are like that city with the walls are broken. And when the walls are broken, the enemy has access to you. You are a child of God. You are in Christ. You are born again. It's not God punishing you. You are messing yourself up because you lack restraint. You're not exercising restraint. And so the enemy comes and he loves it. When our walls are broken, he can just walk in. He doesn't even have to disguise himself. He just comes in and he wreaks havoc. Somebody said the devil comes not to play pity, I mean, patty cake, patty cake with you. He means business when he comes because he's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. To destroy you personally and to destroy relationships all because you cannot exercise restraint. May God have mercy upon us. Is it worth it? We're talking about love. Another element of love I want to deal with is this. Love keeps no record of wrongs. We forget, including myself, that all our relationships are with imperfect people. They're not perfect, neither are you perfect. It's amazing the standards that we have for ourselves and for other people. And that's what the, the word puts it so well. Take the log out of your eye, the big old beam out of your eye, so you can see to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. Our relationships are with people who are not perfect. Your husband, he may be cute, but he's not perfect. Your wife may be cute, but she is not perfect. Your church is not perfect either because your church is made up of imperfect people, including yourself. Love does not keep record of wrongs. I mean, people say they love each other. And they all public display of affection. And something happens. And one person pulls out the rap sheet. And all the offenses, that's what you did last year. You, yeah, you bought that $400 shoes. No, my shoes, not $400. <laughs> you bought that purse, designer. You spent, oh, you, you made a wrong decision, and now we're in a hole five years ago. And unfortunately, we even bring up those issues that we thought were resolved. And so we pull up the rap sheet. 
We, 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 when it comes to uh, not, uh, when it comes to uh, love and uh, keeping, or, or we are accountants. I mean, we got it lined up. Sometime last year, uh, you know, the house we moved in, I can't believe we've been there 14, 14 years now. And we moved with some boxes and stuff. And my, my basement is full of stuff. Boxes, you know, I'm in a, I got this habit of keeping records. I'm not talking about what I talk about, paper record, your paper. I keep bills for a whole year, and then at the end of the year, I was shredded. But you know, after a while, you get tired. And so the bills piled up, and I'll put, I mean, old bills, 2000, nine, I saw some 1999, 95. In my basement, collecting dust, and I'm having problems with allergies. My sinuses, I can't breathe. And so one of my daughters said, Mommy, you need me to do anything? I said, Oh, I said, oh yeah, come and help me. I mean, I got stuff in my garage, in my garage, in my basement. And we separate this and put it on eBay. I got no clue. I hear people say that. Put it on eBay. And then this, we, so I brought out a big shredder. And I shredded these old bills. And when I was done, I mean, the air was clear. I could breathe. My sinuses were just intact. Some of you are like me. You know how to keep record of wrong. And you piled it up. And you got them in the basement of your heart. You got boxes full of wrong. Your husband wronged you, or your man, your wife wronged you, your children wronged you. I mean, and you just piling. You keeping record. You keeping record. And your church family added to it. Your boss, he didn't he had no clue that you already had these records. And he now adds his to yours. And so you piled it up. And spiritually, your sinuses are clogged up. You can't smell. You are not sensitive to the things of God. And we have prayed for you. We lay hands on you. We pour oil on you. And you're still in a situation. It's because you got too many boxes in the basement of your heart. And you need to bring out the shredder of God's word. And shred those things. Get rid of them. Let them go. Forgive. You know, as I was thinking about it, sometimes we forgive people. And the motive behind forgiving people. You know that scripture that says, so when you do good to them, you heaping coals on their head. We forgive you so we can heap coals on your head. What kind of forgiveness is that? Someone else said, unforgiveness is like being in prison, and that prisoner is you. It's amazing. The people who have offended you, they've gone on with their lives. They don't even remember they offended you. And you know, the truth be told, oftentimes people don't even know they offended you. You took offense. You took offense. And now you don't talk, I don't, I don't speak to you. You know, I, I talk to you, and I just want to give you that eye. And when you catch my eye looking at you, you understand. <laughs> Keeping records, just like the first, 
if you don't exercise restraint, the same way when you are keeping records, it is you who will not breathe. And then when you see the person, you know, I've been there. Let me, let me say it like it is. I've been there where someone really did something to me, and I was so upset. I was so mad, and I came to church, and I saw the person lifting up their hand and worshiping, and I could not worship. I said, how dare they? Put your hands down in my heart. I didn't say it to the person. I mean, that person was enjoying themselves, and I saw them, I mean, moving and taking stuff, and I was stiff. I said, yeah, right. Yeah, you better put those hands down. I was the prisoner. This person wasn't even thinking about me, and all night I thought of the person. The person occupied space in my mind. I like what Bishop said once, do not allow people to occupy space in your mind. Put up a no vacancy sign. Don't keep records of wrong. You know, and like me, I shredded everything, but since it was last year, I kept 2018. And but rationale is in December, I'll shred it. Some of you are like me. You got rid of everything else. But your husband, he didn't take your car to wash. Your birthday, he didn't get you a gift. And oh, his birthday is just around the corner. I can't wait to deliver. Keeping record of wrong. That is not love. Now, we have to grow in love. I said to you, we are born of God. As he is, so are we. Because we have his DNA, we can theologically say we are love. Not that we just love people, but we are love, just like our Father God. We are love. But love is not intended to remain dormant. Love is supposed to grow. The Holy Spirit imparts love to us, but we are supposed to grow. And how do we grow? God uses these circumstances, people, to grow you up. You really don't love until something happens and you can truly forgive that person and walk in love towards them. That is love indeed. Love is not just, oh, I love. I mean, we're quick to throw. In the English language, that word love is so versatile. We use, I love my dogs, I love food, I love shoes, I love bags, I love, I love, I love. And so love has lost its true meaning to us. And we just throw it around. We have to grow in love. Galatians 5.22, when you read that, one of the, 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 um, the elements of love is, is called, I mean, of the fruit of the Spirit is love. I said to you at, at the new birth, that's when the Holy Spirit imparts love to us. So you are love. It's there. It's in you. All you have to do is to cooperate with the Spirit. Love is also a grace gift. 
And so you cannot work it on your own. You cannot do it. Yes, I've, I know oftentimes we say love is a decision. Love is a choice. And by saying that, if you mean that you have to choose to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, you are so right. But in saying that, if that means that, that means you got to come up, you got to muster the courage, you got to muster all that is within you to love somebody, ladies and gentlemen, sooner or later you're going to fail. I was talking with someone recently who some time ago something happened and the person said, oh no, I forgive, I'm done with it. And then we're, we're having a conversation last week. And this person started to rehearse. Oh, you know that's the thing when you rehearse, the memories come back. And I may, I'm sure you could, you could hear in her voice. And I said, girl, I thought you said you forgive. To truly forgive, it takes the working of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it in your own flesh. The, the, the flesh will fail you. So you got to go back to God. You started in faith, by grace through faith. And when it comes to love, it's the same thing. By grace through faith. You get to love people. And that love can be so selfless. And when you see this person, I mean, I mean you even forgot it happened the way it happened. Because you allowed the Holy Spirit to work in you. And I said the Holy Spirit will use those very people, that person you don't like, that co-worker next to you that you may just knock out if they say something to you. You know, God uses them to grow your faith, to stretch your faith, to stretch your love, I mean. He uses, the, yeah, your faith too, because you got to have faith. God uses circumstances to stretch you when it comes to love. So that which you are, you grow into and you become love. And this is what Jesus said. They will know you are my people. They will know you are my disciples. They will know that you are my followers. Not because you perform miracles, not because you speak in tongues, not because you got the biggest church in town, not because you got the fattest job or the biggest house on the block. No, those things are great. They will know you are my disciples by your love. In fact, 1 John says, you have passed from death unto life because you love the brethren. And let me say it properly. The reason why you can love the brethren is because you've passed from death to life. So if you're not loving the brethren, check yourself, check yourself. Have you passed from death unto life? Because if you, you have, God's DNA is on the inside of you. All you have to do is to uh, cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And let him work out that love. I mean, it's amazing how when he does it, it's permanent. Is it worth it? I would say, yes, it's worth it. Because all that we have said, it's not about somebody else. It's about you. 
It's about you becoming like Christ. It's about you having peace of mind. It's about you having healthy relationships. It's about you. So it's worth it. May God give all of us grace. May God by his spirit do a work in our hearts when it comes to love. We acknowledge that we are like God. We are like our dad. His DNA is on the inside of us. But then we cooperate with the Holy Spirit that he may work it out. So that a watching world will see what our God looks like. Our marriages will be healthy. Our children will have a healthy environment to grow up in and to fulfill purpose. Great potentials, but the home environment, oh my God, is so toxic. And it cannot thrive. May this not be your story. May this not be our story. May we glorify him who is love. Father, we just want to thank you for your awesome love. Lord, we've heard again today that while we were yet sinners, that's when you loved us. Help us, Lord, to extend that same love to others, to our spouses, our children, those members of our community, our co-workers, Lord. Lord, give us the grace. We know sometimes it's not easy because we try to do it on our own. But Lord, today we give up and we're depending upon you to work out your purposes in our lives, to work this thing called love out in our lives, Lord. That indeed, someone who does not know you because of love will come to know you. We thank you. We bless you. Perhaps there's someone under the sound of my voice today and you've heard about the love of God, but you're not in relationship with him. You have not made Jesus your Lord and Savior. If today you want to take that step, we want to pray with you. God loves you with an everlasting love. And his love will not let you go. He's giving you opportunity and opportunity after opportunity to hear his word about his love for you so that you can surrender your heart. Father, you know those who are here, those who have not accepted you as Lord and Savior, they have not put their faith in Jesus. My God, I pray that you continue to work in their hearts until they come to that place of total surrender. And we thank you and bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I trust that what I've shared has helped you to answer the question, is it worth it? And I will say, yes, it's worth it. Go this week, even as we're evangelizing this week, and show God's love to someone and let them know of this God who is love and who loves them so. God bless you and have a great week.
Thanks for listening today. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. To learn more about Bethel or to support this ministry financially, please visit us at www.bethelcityofhope.com. You can also connect with us via Facebook or Instagram at Bethel City of Hope. Thanks again. Have a great day.